I'm a zombie! I've been bitten! You're listening to the Survival Podcast for zombie nerds everywhere. Zombies Ate My Podcast. Hello and welcome to Zombies Ate My Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Murphy, and joining me as always is my co-host, the busy zombie lord, Lou Page. How's it going? Uh, I'm ready to talk about this movie. (laughs) I've been wanting to talk about this movie all day. Hmm, and what movie would that be? We kind of bumped the schedule around because we were trying to think, oh, what do we want to do? We we didn't have time to watch Fear. Apologies to... uh, to fear fans out there but uh yeah we watched night of the comet yeah we watched night of the comet and uh we have some things to say uh i've seen this movie uh a couple hundred times so this is not this is not my first viewing but it has been a while since i've seen it yeah i i mean we'll get into it later on we've got a little bit of news like we're not gonna we aren't gonna delay much uh but we do have some news to go over has completely devastated over 150 of the world's major regions and then is spreading rapidly. All right. So uh, our first story here is, and I know, Lou, you don't play VR games, correct? I do do not. Yeah, that's okay. But I'm surprised by this. You are? Okay, well. So this headline here is that The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners is getting a sequel um, titled Chapter 2 Retribution. Uh, this uh, They had a teaser that they revealed this game would be, we'd probably get more information this year. Not a whole lot of information on the sequel, but uh, they did confirm they're working on a follow-up. Um, I, I am someone who plays VR games on occasion. I will say that Resident Evil 4 as a VR game uh, completely changed my mind on playing resident evil 4 again it's it's completely changed like it is it's more of a vr game than than resident evil 4 um in but it is you in it's you in resident evil 4 and you're and you're walking through it you're you're shooting your way through through the monsters and all that um but i did play saints and sinners for a little bit i purchased it and i just i did not like it i bounced off it i ended up returning it uh because the problem i have with vr games is that they try to overreach, you know, with graphics, with uh, motion, with uh, with with complex gestures for you to do inventory management. And I always felt like the combat in Saints and Sinners just was it was too complex for my abilities in VR, and that's why I bounced off of it. But it is popular; it's a very popular game, uh, does quite well, so it makes sense that we would get a sequel. And I know it's heralded as like one of the better VR games. Yeah, I mean, I I've heard mixed things about it. Like a lot of VR games, I've heard the Resident Evil Four one, not just from you. I've heard from other people it's really good, and I had no doubt it would be because it's Resident Evil Four. What's there? To, what's there to say bad about Resident Evil Four? I mean, that thing can practically run on dishwashers now. It it it, it, it it's on everything, uh, but. The Saints and Sinners. I remember you. T- I remember we talked about it when it came out, and you'd said said it was like meh. And 
Uh, I've heard that from other people. I have a couple of friends that are very into VR stuff. And even they were like, it was good for an hour, maybe two. And then like they were done with it. And so when I saw this news, I was like, wow, I even forgot that the first game existed. I didn't realize that it was still a thing. And if it's getting a sequel, then it must continue to sell. Like, it must be something that people pick up a VR headset and be like, what am I going to buy? Oh, there's a Walking Dead game. That could be cool. It must, uh, My guess is that, that this didn't make all its sales up front, that this is making sales over time. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think they've... Uh it's it's got that typical vr fashion where it's a it's a high upfront cost but they um are steadily offering free updates i think it's gotten a bunch of free updates so this will be the first sort of paid i get the like it's the article bills it as a sequel but then the name kind of you know kind of brings this feeling of dlc or expansion um but you know vr is a, a really interesting marketplace where there there's either like a bunch of free updates and then they release they they release a full-on sequel or they have you know paid i don't think they usually do paid dlc i think they even though it looks to be a game very much bolted you know borrowing from the original with even just the title like saints and sinners chapter two retribution the sorry the walking dead colon saints and sinners dash chapter two colon retribution uh, that's the full title. It, it's not quite like it doesn't quite roll off the tongue like Resident Evil Revelations 2 Episode 1 Penal Colony. But I mean, it's close. It's close. Uh, but yeah, it's it's hard to say. This is just just announced. But you're right. Like it, it has had a long tail of free updates. Um, it was a, a matter of time before we got an announcement for a sequel. And uh, I think it I think it is probably one of the most well received Walking Dead games based on you know, outside of the Telltale series, I suppose. Um, but definitely recent Walking Dead game that's been well-received. Yeah, they. it's funny because I think this was the last time we talked about a Walking Dead game because there hasn't been any updates to the Telltale or anything else since this. So I'm guessing this is the last actual Walking Dead game that wasn't a mobile phone game for a while. Yeah. Because I believe there's a new mobile phone game, I think. There's like a new one every every quarter i find it's just they they just keep releasing them and they're usually based off of existing sort of hits like i think the last the last one i remember was the pokemon go uh riff it was it was, a was pokemon it go style. okay they did a pokemon go style okay yeah oh the mobile phone market yeah not for me yeah, well, I mean, how about board games? Uh, we don't normally uh, do. I love me some board games. Oh, there you go. Then you might you might cautiously like this Kickstarter we're going to talk about. Um, we don't always we don't normally do Kickstarters, but I felt like this one. A, it's been funded and uh, f- funded in the sense that it, it has hit its initial goal. I'm sure there are still and it only goals. has a couple more days to go. So if you're hearing this and this interests you, go now. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, so it's Marvel Zombies, a zombicide game, and I think this has come up a few times. Where uh, it, it's come, I think it has come up a few times. I think this has come up a few times because before the Kickstarter it, it came, I think like six, seven months ago, they were talking about this that this was coming. 
mm-hmm. that they hadn't prepared the Kickstarter yet. So people have known for a while that this is coming. I know, I know I've talked about this before, maybe not necessarily on this show, but in everyday life, been like, ooh, that's coming. This is kind of cool. I can't I can't justify spending more money on another board game. Yeah. Well, I'll give uh, credit where credit's due. I picked this story out of the uh, Discord from Grindhouse Zombie. He posted it in our Discord. And yep. um, I, I have to say, I love board games, but man, my collection's getting out of control. <laughs> well, I'll say this. This this looks fantastic. It's got that premium price tag. You're looking at uh, $130 US just to get in on the ground floor uh, and receive uh, the core box plus all applicable rewards. It says whatever that means. But uh, there are a lot of pledge levels that are still available um and uh estimated delivery date is uh, june 2023 so i mean not crazy far off yeah no i i have a i have a couple of um i have one kickstarter that i'm still waiting on it's a zombie board game that i backed probably when i first bought my house so like almost five years ago and uh due to lots and lots of complications plus covid uh, it's taken like five years and they just sent me the email this week where they're like, yeah, the boxes are getting put together, but it's in being put together in China and this is Chinese New Year. So we're hoping in like March these will get shipped. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've never booked or sorry, I've never backed a board game on Kickstarter. I've done video games um way back in the day i haven't done a kickstarter in a while i think the kickstarters i usually do are based on uh yeah usually they're usually they're card games and usually they're uh scott johnson projects where he's been proven i will say this uh i've backed a lot of stuff on kickstarter um i'm currently waiting for that zombie board game which i can't remember what what it's called a uh, carnival zombies i think is what it's called or something like that and mm-hmm. um and then the other one I'm waiting for is I'm waiting for the sequel for Gloomhaven, Frosthaven. But that guy updates and sends an email every week. Oh. Like, I, like of all the Kickstarters I've ever had, this guy is like science. Even if he has nothing, he sends like a five-paragraph email to a backers every week being like, yeah, there's nothing here, but let, let me talk about my personal life and what's going on. And I'm like, wow, I know more about this guy than I probably should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Like this, this Kickstarter, I mean, here's the thing, like uh, from a board game perspective, they've got the details down, like they've got all the minifigures. Uh, Z- Zombicide is a, is a, is a uh, major product. Um, it's a, that game has been around a long time and this isn't the first time they've themed it for something else. I think there's a medieval one. Uh, I know we've talked about it in the discord that uh, uh, there is a night of the living dead one um they've done this sort of thing before and on top of that there's like five or six different regular uh games with and expansions and stuff it's a definitely a commodity um and so so the fact that marvel zombies is getting is getting a a version of this i can't say i'm surprised at all Mm -hmm. i mean it just it fits so well right when you think about zombicide and marvel zombies like it was bound to happen and uh oh man and and not only that like if you look at if you look at the pledges the so it's i'm not a big i'm not a big kickstarter person so you've got 
you've got the base three base pledges they all have all they all have all applicable rewards whatever whatever that means but there are uh there's stretch goals uh so you got a bunch of zombie extra zombie heroes a bunch of extra superheroes there are daily rewards whatever that means like there's a lot going on here um and then you can add to your pledge you can add everything you can add uh the fantastic four uh hydra resurrection there's lots lots of stuff here um but yeah like it's it is crazy so the base game 87 character pieces 136 cards nine double-sided tiles six plastic dashboards six dice 12 plastic cubes six color bases 41 tokens like that's a good i mean when you're buying a board game like you and you it costs you 130 dollars us like you know you're getting a you know you're getting a massive collection right like that's a big deal there's so much in this kickstarter it's crazy yeah it might take me six days if i wanted to pledge i guess by the time you listen to this if you listen to it as soon as it posts you have five days to figure out how you're going to pledge to this thing yeah and and and, in all honesty the kicker for me is and the reason i wouldn't do this is because the biggest pledge is 410 and if you're not buying the 410 spending 410 dollars it seems like you might be missing out yeah because there's a lot of kickstarter exclusive stuff there so yeah i don't know um something to keep in mind uh i for one like when it comes to kickstarters i usually wait until it's available you know to purchase uh, especially if it's got six million dollars like i would i would personally wait on this one but at the end of the day if you want to get in on the ground floor it's a five days to do it so head on over uh check the link in the show notes and you can check that out all right let's move into the topic which is our uh extra life movie which is night of the comet Since before recorded time, it had swung through the universe in an elliptical orbit so large that its very existence remained a secret of time and space. But now, in the last few years of the 20th century, the visitor was returning. All right. I hope everyone's ready. We are going to settle a debate that seems to have been raging on in the Discord for years. Um, and yeah. we uh, we have, we have uh, you know, we've been fine with that. But I think right now we're going to, I, we're probably not going to solve anything. If anything, we're going to put we're going to fire. We're going to make it more confusing and more complicated than anything. Yeah, but we're bringing evidence to this discussion. Yeah. Uh, we both recently watched the film. Not that it, it, the people in the Discord, uh, Grindhouse and Bastuna, they have evidence as well. But I, I think that uh, before this, how many times would you say you think you've seen this film? Uh, you know what? If you had asked me if I had seen it before... You'd have said no. Yeah, exactly. But I'm pretty sure. And then and, and, uh, you're pretty sure you've seen it at least once before now. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was included in one of those like uh, giant stacks of blockbuster videos that my brother would rent for us to watch in the summer. Because um, I can say I can say without any kind of joking, I've seen this movie twenty, thirty times. Maybe I jokingly say hundreds of times. I really wouldn't be consi- be joking if I said I've seen it a hundred times. Uh, this thing was a after this thing came out, which was in what 1984. Uh, in the 90s, this thing was on HBO like four times a day. Wow. Um, it, it they could run it during the day because it was PG 13, and at one point HBO had like four channels. Like if you belong to HBO, you got HBO one, HBO two, HBO three, HBO four, and so for like a month it would be on HBO one. And they'd run it like two or three times a day. And then it would go to HBO 2 after that. And then it would go to HBO 3 and then 4. And then it would be available on demand. And at the time, or after high school, I was basically working a night job. So this thing was always on in the middle of the night when I was supposed to be like on my day off. And I'd be like, eh, I guess I'll just stay up all night because it'll mess up my sleep schedule. What can I do? I'll play video games and I'll watch Night of the Comet again because it's on TV. You know, so I've seen this a bunch, but I will say it has been like three or four years since I've seen this. Um, I have seen this since we started doing Zamp a couple of times. This was on Netflix for uh, for years. Like, mm. like this was something that was always on Netflix. And I was always like, this is never leaving Netflix. And then <laughs> it left Netflix. And I was like, oh, no. Uh, but it's been a couple years since I've seen it. And I forgot all about that opening narration when that began i was like wait i don't i remember most of this movie i don't remember that yeah yeah so the basic premise of the film is a a comet wipes out most life on earth leaving two valley girls fighting against and this is imdb's words this is not me starting to stoke the fire cannibal zombies and a sinister group of scientists bit of a spoiler to uh, you know uh there with the sinister group of scientists because I yeah because when you, you get know. first introduced to them you don't necessarily know they're bad guys exactly i think it's near i mean it's heavily hinted but like they are misdirecting you right up until um they start to lay down some vibes that it's like ooh okay these guys are not good these these they're up to some they're up to something um but yeah, like I I saw this a long time ago. I'd say it's probably 20 years ago when I saw it. So to me, what stuck out as, oh, I've seen this film was uh, the scenes in, it was LA, right? That's where this is based. Yeah. So yep. they're in LA and it's them alone sitting on the car, having the two sisters having a conversation. And it's just this red backdrop, whether they had to use that to basically like, you know, mat out an active LA city, uh, cityscape. But like, that's what comes to my mind when I'm like, oh, I've seen this before. It's that background that is in like a handful of scenes, but it really stuck with me. Um, it's just so vibrant and memorable, I guess. I don't remember anything about the comment. I don't remember anything about the dust. Um, I, and I might even be confusing all of this with that Simpsons episode where, uh, it's, I, I think it was Trios of Horror. It might not even be related to this specific film, but I think it was Homer wakes up and everyone's, it's maybe not Homer. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's Bart. He wakes up and like, everybody's gone. That might be like an Omega Man ripoff, maybe. 
I don't know. Anyways, I'm getting off track. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that the, I think there is a reference to this movie in a Treehouse of Horror. I mean, those have been going on for over thirty <laughs> years now. I think. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure that there is a reference to this movie. This movie is fairly well known. Yeah. Um, it has a very cult following. Uh, and the interesting thing is, and I and I had to look it up on IMDb because I remember reading about this before. Those scenes when they were out on the out on the LA streets, those are really LA streets. Uh, it was done during normal business hours, and they would have cops block traffic for twenty minutes so they could do a scene and then let traffic go again. I mean, that's that's the way the the business works, right? I'm sure people who live there are probably used to it, like oh. They're shooting a scene. All right. Well, let me uh, let me turn up the radio. Um, it's like I'm not gonna say it's a it's a it's a movie. It's a product of its time. Like I think if you were to release this now, like you'd have significant issues with just the pacing of the film, uh, the writing. It's an interesting film. It's an interesting idea. Uh, I, in the '80s, there was this thing about comets because there was a bunch of them mm-hmm. that were gonna be passing over earth and people could see it there was a lot of sci-fi in the 70s and 80s about comets going by uh another film we're going to probably talk about night of the creeps doesn't have a comet but it does have something like a comet so i mean this isn't even the first zombie movie i've seen where there is a comet related there is a australian zombie movie and i can't remember what it's called i want to call it zombie extinction or something stupid like that and Two has to do with a comet going overhead and turning the world into zombies. Hmm. Interesting. And it's a very it's a thing I've seen a couple of times now, like more than a handful. So I I think this was one of the first ones I saw like this. Yeah. I mean, the interesting you'd mentioned the the opening narrative and and the comment. I I, I could have clipped the whole thing and had had it all play, but it was like three minutes long. It was kind of long, but they do a couple things that's really interesting. They insinuate that this comment, the reason we didn't know it was coming is because it's got such a wide um uh orbit Elliptical. pattern. Yeah. That yeah. you you couldn't calculate like I don't know the science mumbo jumbo look over here while we show you this weird movie, uh, but yeah. they kind of talk about how the last time it passed the Earth was sixty five million years ago and that's how the dinosaurs died overnight, and yeah. I thought that was a a really cool way of being like this has happened before you know they never reference it again but it's a it's an it, it kind of builds up that that opening yeah. intro and I really like that uh, part. Yeah, but uh, and then they go into the, like the Independence Day, you know, party meet the aliens. Oh, never mind, they're bad. Uh, there's like a, a bunch of partying scenes where people are partying for for the comet to come around. Um, yeah, which is typical human behavior to be like, we don't really know what's going to happen, so let's just party and watch the comet. I remember people used to get excited for uh, 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 solar eclipses. Mm. That's not as much a thing as it used to be. No, I remember when I was in elementary school, it was a big deal. Uh, and obviously we were inside for it. We weren't allowed to watch it, but uh, for obvious reasons. But I remember... Oh, no, uh, we, we all built things so that we could look at it. Yes, yeah, the little cardboard things. And I, and I think... Yeah. I think we were at, the, we were at the, the age where it was happening that 
the the school boards had caught on of like maybe we don't want to just trust every student not to look at it for funsies you know yeah yeah <laughs> so uh they 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 stopped that pretty quick but i do remember that phenomenon in the early 90s late 80s where it was like sci-fi comets asteroids independence day uh, it's a bunch of movies like that yeah i, I mean it, 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 and like i said this isn't even the first zombie movie to it to to tackle this 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 thing i i think it might have been one of the earliest i don't think there's many zombie films before this that tackled this idea but i think there's been a dozen since yeah um uh, uh the, the closest thing that's not a zombie movie that i can think of is there's a movie called uh mom and dad with nicholas cage and i believe there's some kind of like comet or something that goes over the planet and then they imply it might be a virus. They don't know what it is. So th- that's interesting that you bring that up because uh, in this film, they stop short of explaining like what what it is. It's just the comet came by and it transformed. It, it turned a lot of people into dust. And then they talk about how, um, and I mean, we're going to get into this, I guess, but they talk about how it, it's a, its effect on people was uh degraded if you were inside a metal structure so the way it's the way it's explained in the first beginning half of the movie is she and her boyfriend are fine because they're inside a movie theater in the film room which is was made from a metal bunker yeah to prevent Uh, fires basically right uh the reason her sister survives is she was locked in the metal shed Mm -hmm. which you're supposed to assume was like reasonably airtight and then the scientists the reason they're infected and it's a thing that always bugged me about this movie yeah is the scientists are in a bunker and the reason they they, it gets explained the reason why they're infected and it's happening slowly is somebody forgot to turn off the air conditioning unit (laughs) i did not catch that oh my god so and so the comet went overhead and all the dust particles from the comet hit people their air conditioner unit pumped it into the air, pumped it into the building. So they were really lightly exposed, but it is going to kill them. Yeah. They talk about there being a progression of, uh, it, 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 it slows the process. Um, the idea being that the end game of this process is you turn to dust, but before that stage, you turn into, uh, not to again, not to settle the debate right now, because I, like I said, I've got some clips that we're gonna go over that has some evidence, but turns you into like a mindless uh, monster of some not mindless that you have a mind, but you turn into like a a a a varying degree of crazy aggressive uh 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 monster. Yeah. Um. Like like. All of them seem to be like itching. They all seem like tweakers, like okay, they're yeah. on drugs, and yeah. that they're all they're craving uh, violence. And uh, 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 it's it's. I think that it has more in common with uh, Twenty Eight Days Later than I want to admit. Where those infected really aren't just eating people. It's more like they're craving violence. It's more like rabies. And this is more like that, but they have some of them have se- is common sense. It seems that the the, the longer you've been infected, the more you've been infected, the less brain you have, and the, the the slower you turn, the more human you are. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's really wonky science. Because totally her sister should be infected and dying. Yeah. I'm sorry, a metal shed is not going to protect <laughs> her. It's something I've that I've had a friend we argued about this movie for years, and it was one of the things we had unanimously agreed on. The blonde sister should be dead because there's no way that that uh, uh, that that uh, 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 metal shed should have protected her from the comet. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe they just don't make them like they used to. Maybe eighty sheds. Maybe, maybe, but there's also lots of plot holes. Yeah, like at one point. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm not going to refer to their bo- the boyfriend guy as the boyfriend guy. He's going to be Chicote. He's been, he was in Star Trek Voyager for years. I only identify Robert Coltrane as 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 uh, uh, Chicote. So it's Hector. that's all I'm gonna. Ref- what his name is Hector in the movie. I I I don't even pay attention to his name. He's yeah. just Chicote. I never watched Star Trek Voyager, <laughs> so I. He's the second in command of the ship. Oh, neat. Uh, and uh, 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 and so when he goes back to his mother's house to go to whatever, there's like uh, there's like a radio, uh, there's like a record playing, and clearly somebody was there to turn on the record. That record hasn't been running for 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 hundreds of hours, and then all of a sudden he walked through the door and it decided to stop running like that. That that like it, I get what they were doing there, but it's a plot hole. Somebody was setting that record over and over and over again. So somebody might, must have been alive. And it wasn't the little zombie kid. Yeah. But, and, and, and I think that that kid is the, the, is the closest thing we see to a real zombie. Mm. Okay. In the movie. Him and then there's an early scene when Reggie, uh, uh, which I, I, I don't think of Reggie as a valley girl. I think of Reggie as the nerdy girl for some reason. Um. But when she wakes up in the thing with her boyfriend and her boyfriend goes outside, somebody clubs him over the head and drags him off. And I would call that maybe a zombie. But the rest of them, I would just call them like infected or uh, possessed or whatnot. Yeah. I, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, what 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 quantifies it as in my mind? I'll say this in my mind. What quantifies something as a zombie uh, uh, experience, film, TV, what have you, is that like classic zombie chasing you, tearing you apart, eating you, that sort of that. That to me is like classic zombie, right? But yeah. I know that there is this other part to zombies of like that. You know, they say the a mindless zombie, and I think that is where you get a little closer of like, okay, maybe they're not eating people on screen but they are certainly you know showing zombie uh type symptoms right and i think like if you look at this film it was released as uh, i don't know if it was released as pg-13 but it's it's rated as pg-13 it was released as pg-13 that's one of the reasons why i think this movie has had so many people see it because if i bring this movie up even amongst people that don't know zombie movies they seem to know this movie so my thought is is that because it was pg-13 and it was on hbo so much that a lot of people saw this movie it may not have done great in theaters it must have done really good in the aftermarket yeah i'm just thinking like if it was released as pg-13 you could see where they cut out uh 
maybe they had a zombie script at some point and you can see, well, yes. if we need to trim this down to PG 13. We can remove a lot of the, the zombie stuff. Yeah. The, one of the things that took me back in the movie watching it this time, because it's been a while, a, cu- a couple of years is I forgot how aggressive they were towards the blonde sister that all of her nightmares and a bunch of them was about guys trying to grab and fondle her. And uh, in all honesty, most of the zombies they fight in the movie really aren't doing that, except for one or two. But but that those were the the, the moments with her dreams really stood out for me because that happens in both of her dream sequences. Mm-hmm. And they don't really go anywhere, right? Like they just yeah. They, I think I they mean more... I mean most of the most of the zombie interactions in this turn into firefights with yeah. guns gun back and forth. Yeah, it's a little it's a little odd um in that in that regard like everyone's got a suddenly got a machine gun um i i think that uh i i think that you know you when you remove a lot of that stuff it's very hard to classify it as like a classic zombie movie but i think you can kind of say like well this is definitely you know zombie uh adjacent kind of similar to you know as you said like a like an alien infection of some kind that has doomed the human race to leave like by the end of it, five people alive. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, the debate as to whether it's a zombie film or not, like doesn't necessarily like change the film for the better or worse. Like it still stands on its own. I think, I think I, it's still, a, I think I still think it's a good film. Um, I've never had an argument with this film where I go, Oh, this movie's dumb. Like, the more you watch it, the more plot holes you see, and the more you kind of roll your eyes. Mm. But, uh, uh, but it's never a film I don't enjoy. Um, I like all the actors in it. Um, the lead scientist guy—I cannot think of his name at the moment. Um, but he's notoriously known for being this role in everything he's in. Jeffrey Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. Jeffrey Lewis is almost always this guy in everything he's in. Hmm. Well, I mean, he plays a good head scientist evil dude, right? Like, uh, yeah. good slash, you know, evil. Um, I mean, you can you can watch this film. We both. I did. You end up watching it on Tubi. Like, I wouldn't surprise. I did. You. I okay. did. That was the. E- it was on Tubi and like two other things with commercials. And I know I've had very good experiences with Tubi, so that's how I watched it. Yeah, I have never used Tubi before, and I'll say this: like the ads were not intrusive at all. It was like the same ad, like three or four times while I was watching it. I did not have that experience that you had. Oh, yeah. uh, there were two or three commercial breaks while I watched the movie, which is 90 minutes. So it was like every 30 minutes, they gave me a commercial break and the commercial breaks were about five commercials and none of them were longer than maybe 30 seconds. Mm. So it literally, it would stop the movie and, and they seemed to be, spaced correctly like it would hit right when a scene transition happened it wasn't like on tv where like it would happen mid-scene it was like the camera would cut and then it would be like your commercial into break is coming and you'd get a loading screen and then boom and i was like wow this is this goes to tell you how much crackle sucks <laughs> is crackle still Cause, around cause, <laughs> yes it is oh my god i remember i remember when we had to watch one of the 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 dead rising movies on yeah. crackle and i just remember it was like every five minutes i got five minutes of ads 
And I was, I almost, I almost messaged us when we covered that movie. I almost messaged everybody and said, no, we're not covering this movie because I'm not sitting through any more ads. <laughs> yeah, the ads weren't bad. I think it was like a sports net thing, which is like a Canadian, uh, or maybe it's not just, I think TSN's Canadian. Anyways, it was a sports thing. It was the same commercial. It was 30 seconds, but it was, it was fine. It wasn't that big a deal. Oh, I got, I, I got, I got something for a kid's toy, something for an insurance company, something for a car, and then there was something for a sports team or a sports product. Like all five of them were like totally different, and I was like, oh, that's nice, because I'm used to once in a while I'll watch something on, um, I'll watch something on Amazon, and Amazon has a service that's commercial interrupted, even though you have Prime, they still put there's a per, there's a they, I think it's IMDb TV. You can still watch stuff there, but they insert commercials. And their commercials aren't bad, but whenever the commercial happens, it's the same commercial four times. And it's always super annoying because it'll happen like three times an episode of a TV show or a movie. And by the time it hits like the fifth, third or fourth movie uh, uh, tr uh, commercial break, you'll be like, yep. And you'll be reciting them back to the TV in, in sequence. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah no it wasn't that bad it wasn't that bad it was fine uh and uh well i mean here i've got i've got clips uh we'll 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 give brent a break uh from tearing his hair out as we talk about whether this is zombie film or not and and uh, hurting him slowly we'll do some clips that are unrelated to that then we'll come back to torture him further so uh i i have a couple so this one this is at the very beginning of the film and i'm just gonna stay and i always screw this up so i'm not gonna blame anybody i'm Total. I'm Canadian. I still do it. Uh, understand Newfoundland. Understand Newfoundland. Okay, here we go. The first Earthlings to see the effects will be in Newfoundland or Newfoundland. Yeah, Newfoundland. Understand Newfoundland. Okay. So, uh, I, I, having traveled to the um, to the to the Atlantic coast um, there, and if you if you mispronounce New, Newfoundland around someone who's from there. Um, they do, they do not take kindly to that. So I I was it was kind of weird that that clip was right off the top. It was very Canadian, uh, so I had to clip that. Uh, Lou, I don't know if you have any experience mispronouncing Newfoundland. Uh, I do not. But I uh, thanks to you and some of my other friends, I know enough Canadians that I know how to say it when I'm around Canadians. Yeah understand newfoundland there you go and i might yeah. even still be mispronouncing it i don't know uh someone will write in i'm sure we have a like at least one listener out there um okay this one i've got it's just called look at this look look at this at what <laughs> okay i remember why that was so funny to me uh, <laughs> Oh, Their interactions are really what makes this movie. If they weren't two both really charming characters, or or at least likable, this movie would be bad. Yeah, I was worried that I wasn't going to like either of these characters. But again, like you're absolutely right. Once the film gets going, they play off each other so well, uh, and it works. It it that is I think my favorite part of this film is the, is their interactions between the two of them. Um, this, that's right at the beginning of the film where, uh, the, the older sister is trying to explain to the younger one, like what, what's going on? Like, where is everybody? There's just a bunch of clothes and dust all over the floors and, and the roads and stuff. So, uh, it works. It works. 
Um, this one, what is this? Uh, where are the kids? Oh, this is another one uh, between the two sisters. It's Saturday morning. Where are the goddamn kids? <laughs> Do you know where your kids are? <laughs> it's 11 o'clock on a Wednesday night. Uh, <laughs> that just, again, reminds me of The Simpsons where Homer just says, For the last time, no! <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, um, this one's not crazy. You're crazy! I'm not crazy. I just don't give a fuck. <laughs> the one F-bomb in the whole movie to keep it from going from PG-13 to R. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I never even thought about that. Yeah, um, you're only allowed one and stay PG-13. Uh, it, sometimes they'll let you get by with two, but usually it's one. So as soon as I ever hear that line, I'm always like, ah, there's your one. I never understood. Like, as someone who's now raising kids, it only takes hearing a, a, a bad word once and them finding it funny for them to immediately add it to their vocabulary and to use as much as they wish. You know, I, I, I honestly have to say, we now have to watch what we say around the house. Violet is only 19 months and she has had the experience where, uh, uh, she has used curse words. And then Erica and I have had to look at each other and go, all right, which one of us did she learn this from? Because I'm not normally a huge swearer at all. Uh, I use it to make a statement, or if something is really stupid, I will refer to it as effing stupid. Um, but when in this, the rest of this movie, there really is no curse words. So when he says that, it really kind of stands out in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, for those listening at home who maybe have older kids, because uh, we both have young kids, I know that they're going to learn it eventually, and I know they're going to say swear words. I use swear words. It doesn't ruin somebody um, nope. to say the F word, to say shit, to say, uh, yeah. I, I, I grew up in a household where uh, my mother and my grandmother raised me, and they swore like truck drivers, as the <laughs> saying goes. And I didn't say my first swear word till I was like 14. Uh, I can even remember sitting on the couch with my mother watching TV and I was eight. And she was offering me money to pay me to swear. And I was like, no, you're trying to trick me somehow. I'm not taking your bait. Yeah, don't take the bait, Lou. I, I just, uh, it's one of those things where I think in this specific instance, it was a well-used one f-bomb you know i think it worked really well and it wasn't corny and it just it fit and it kind of illustrated how the the movie did a really good job with the reveal of um these so this specific group of it, it appeared to be like mall rats who were slowly yeah. turning um yeah. and i love the reveal that they do throughout the film of people who are turning it worked every time and it yes, just it does it's great. And and whenever you're revealed that there's somebody that's turning, if you kind of get the idea of why they're turning, you get like the mall rat kids, the air conditioning unit was probably still on in that mall. So they didn't get exposed right away. They got what got sucked through the air vents. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, 
somebody in a house, I think, at one point is infected, and you get the idea that they left the front door open. So they might have been asleep in their bedroom, and had they left the, the all the doors and windows closed, they might not have changed, but they did because the door was left open or the window was left open. And so you get the idea that that's all it took for some of these people to change. Yeah. And 90% or 99.9% .9 of people were out to see the comet that night. So they just got turned to dust. Yeah, it works. Like there's, you're right. There are plot holes. Fine. But I think a majority of the film is, is pretty tight in terms of its yep. explanation. Right. Yep. And, and, and it's reasonable to say that, you know, they do a really good job of showing a desolate city. Mm -hmm. It's not like, it's not like they run into zombie survivors, like every five minutes. It is like three or four moments in the movie where that happens. Yeah. And I mean, they're not even survivors until you get to the very, very end of the film. And, and I mean, yeah. if they were doing a sequel, that could have been revealed to not been a survivor. But you get the sense it had been long enough. And the other thing about this movie that's that's interesting to note is that this movie has it's, did well enough and has enough of a cult following that there's been like eight or nine scripts to do a remake of this right up until like just before the pandemic hmm. so i mean my fingers are always crossed we're gonna get a new one because i think you could definitely do something cool with this yeah oh i think a remake would work you know uh modern it up bring it to uh bring it to the 2020s i think it would work really well um and and you could have a lot of fun with it and you know what they could probably stretch the pg-13 rating and, and make it a like a like a zombie film you know, um, yeah, they could even make it. They could make it. They could even tone it up a little bit, make it a little R. This could be the next Zombie Land. Yeah, I think that would be a lot of a lot of fun. I I hope they do get a chance to uh, remake it. And and you know what? I gotta say, like I really liked. I know you're gonna you're gonna say it's not Hector, but I really liked Hector's character. He grew on me. Um, probably in the second half of the film. Yeah, the first time you meet him, you're like, oh, it's going to be the like the weird dude guy that's going to be attached to them. And then he's either going to be he's going to become a bad guy at some point or something like that. And they don't do that. They he is. And I love the fact that he's kind of like a gentleman the whole movie. Mm -hmm. Like the world's gone to hell in a handbasket and all the other zombies are being like jerks. And he's just a nice guy. And I'm always like, ah, I can appreciate that. Yeah, no, it was really good. Uh, he had, I, I could have clipped a bunch of lines from him. I have two lines. Uh, this one is when he stumbles across Area 51. I assume he, there's some off-screen shenanigans where he must get the location from uh, one of the scientist ladies that was left behind. Um, but he had this line, was was really good. Hey, them's real fine duds you got there. You a Maytag repairman? <laughs> <laughs> they always had the proper music in the background. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I I love when he's driving the car and it's playing country and, and the blonde in the back is being like, change the radio. And I was like, yep, that's how I would be. I'd be screaming the same thing. <laughs> um, you mentioned the evil scientist. Uh, you know, once they reveal, I, I guess. So correct me if I'm wrong. So essentially their plan is to bring all the survivors to the scientist place because they have a way to develop a serum for the the comet effects by using people's blood is that how it is uh, the, the basically they need all the blood in a couple of people's body to make the vaccine enough to treat them all so right. they planned on bringing all of them there so they could kill them and save themselves right 
Okay. That was the plan. Yeah. They don't do a very good job of explaining it. It's really kind of the one point in the movie where the movie is really weak. They don't do a very good job of explaining the scientists' plan. And they kind of like hand wavy that it's because the scientists are going crazy. And it's like, okay, all right. They even do that moment with a the with a one female scientist who still kind of has a head on her shoulders when she meets uh uh all right, I'm gonna say it, Hector. Mm. Uh, she does this hand-wavy thing where she's like, I wrote everything down before I started to lose my mind. And I was like, oh, that's how they're trying to... Ju- I, I I forgot. I'm like, that's how they justify the fact that the scientists don't even really know what they're doing. They're going crazy. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. I mean, you see that dis- descent into, into madness yeah. with a lot of the other people who are infected. So um, they didn't really... My thing with the scientists is they didn't really explain what those scientists were doing like they seem to have understood what was going on with the comet but you think there would have been more than like six of them you know um there's like a dozen of them i think and uh, well there's more of them and in the beginning half of the movie Mm. and then there's less of them in the later half of the movie so i don't know if they they, and the way they hand wave it is some of them are turning faster than others Yes. So you're supposed to believe that most of them, a bunch of them have turned to dust while all this is going on. Where, what were you talking about? I lost track of what I was saying. E- evil, evil scientists. So like. They're kind of the weakest link of the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's, they do this thing where they kind of hint that these guys were telling people the comet might not be good, but they weren't taken seriously. That's kind of the way they, they explain it. Um. Uh, I, I like to think of this movie is that if they ever did a sequel, there really wouldn't be any more zombies left because everybody would be dust except for real people. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, they might go like the the last man on earth route where it, where there is no monster. It's just a lot of people. A majority of the human population just died out. Right. Yeah. Um, and I can see why you would, you know, based on that comment, you would want to wait to make remake this film you know while we're all going through a global pandemic like i i I know there's been like i think a television show that's really popular right now is like station 11 where it's literally about you know a a a large portion of the population has died out due like a a a strain of the flu um there was why the last man so like stuff like that still is being produced but stuff like that is really being produced and some of it is being okay but I think a lot of people are. We've been all locked up for so long that people are kind of tired of it. It's not amusing anymore. No, no. Um, but I again, I think the reason this movie works is because it's campy. And yes, it's, and it's fun. If this had been a serious movie, this would not be. This would not be a fun watch. No, no, no. Yeah, no. It, it only works because it was a made in the eighties, where like all of these films were like campy fun. Um, and I think if you were to remake it, you'd have to recapture that eighties, you know, exactly. Uh, like for example, this line here, um, evil scientist, uh, it's very much kids versus adults in the later, you know, third of the film. And, and we get this line. Hey, there's no such thing as Santa Claus. What? You don't believe in Santa? What? I think that was the head scientist guy. Yeah, it was the bad guy, Jeffrey Lewis. Yeah, um, and then the, the very end of the film, uh, we get the uh, the burden of of civilization or 
I can't remember. The burden of civilization is on us, okay? Oh, yeah. Fiction, isn't it? <laughs> There's like five people left in the world, and, uh, and, and that's how the movie ends. That's the last line. Bitchin', isn't it? <laughs> So my, my, my favorite part of the whole movie is all the way to the end. And they're like the last five people on earth. And the sister's like, no, you have to look both ways before you cross the street. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I, I, I love that scene. Cause I, I, I was like, they're not, the first time I remember the first time I saw this, I'm like, they're not going to do a joke where she almost gets hit by a car. Oh my God. They really are going to do this. And then the guy turns the car around, comes back, and she jumps in the car and drives off with him. And I was like, huh. And then the thing I always question is he goes, yeah, I got 15 more of these back home, meaning the car. Yeah. Right? And I always went, does that mean he was a rich guy who was locked up in his house and that's why he's not turning? Or does it mean that he woke up and just started stealing cars? Well, he's got... I really uh, want to know the answer to that question. I do, too. But here's the thing. Like... The theory I have is maybe they are his cars because they all have personalized license plates because he yes. says his name, his initials are DMK and that's the license plate. So yes. like, unless he's making his own personalized license plates, which again, if you're the last, if you think you're the last man on earth, you're probably going to want to have a hobby and maybe making license plates is something you decide to do. Um, but like, yeah, that's a good point. And if this film was made in the in the late 90s, the joke of her being like, no, you have to wait for the crosswalk and then her walking when there's a no walk symbol is she would have she would have been hit by the car. I'm just picturing scary movie esque endings where like yes. something super silly happens at the end. Cut to credits. Play some 41. You know, like I'm so glad that didn't happen. And I love his line. He goes, did you see it was a green light? <laughs> yeah. Again, again, it works so well. And I think like when you kind of remove the debate of zombie versus not zombie, this is just a, it's not even like a horror film, you know, like it's so hard to quantify. It's, it's like a comedy action. Yeah. Adjacent zombie movie. That's, yes. That's, that's, I think that's the best way to describe this. That if you think that this is a zombie movie, sure. It's a zombie movie. Yeah. If you think it's not a zombie movie, it's kind of not. I don't think that this is a 100% oh, it's a zombie movie. Ooh. I think it's really kind of it's really in between. Yeah. Okay, so everyone's right. It this is a rare occurrence where everyone's right, right? I I think so. Okay. I think so. I don't think I don't I don't think it's cut and dry either way. No, I, I thought we'd go into this episode and I thought after rewatching it myself that I was going to be adamant that it is not a zombie movie. But there was enough in it where I'm like, yeah, that's zombie related. But then that other scene, that's not zombie related. Like it's it's it's. It, it again, it feels like they didn't have a fully fleshed out script. And so they were like, eh, the zombie stuff is going to be too hard. Let's just give those guys guns. Yeah. <laughs> or like that's that's kind of what this feels like. It, it reminded me a lot of um, I'm trying to remember it, not the I am legend with Will Smith, but the Omega Man with Charlton Heston. Heston. I think. Yep. That's yeah. exactly what this feels like. Exactly. So. I mean, so by that logic, uh, our discussions here and it, and everyone being right, I think we lost two subscribers instead of one. So I don't know if that's a win or not. 
I don't know if that's a win. No, it's not. Not for us. But uh, here's the thing. Um, even though we've kind of come to our conclusion, while I was watching the film, I took out specific clips that I'm calling zombie evidence. Not necessarily because it's a zombie film or not a zombie film, but I'll play these, you know, exhibit A, B through D or E or however many I have of these. And that this is what I captured based on, like, is this a zombie film? So exhibit A. That's when we spotted one of those, whatever they are. Looked like it was eating, looked like it was eating a cat. A dead cat? Semi-dead. So first of all, I apologize. It's got a bunch of like 80s music in the background and he keeps pausing when he's talking. So that's why there's so much music in there. Um, But like, I think, I don't know if we touched on this, but I feel like you may have said it pre-show or in our planning uh, discord is that the the movie contradicts itself a lot. So in this specific clip, if I had clipped it, I could have clipped it. So it was like, I saw it eating a dead cat. Okay, perfect. That fits like what we know zombies. of zombies to eat, uh, yeah. you know, flesh of a dead animal. Um, but in this case, it's like, well, was it dead? It's like, no, well, it was half dead. And it's like, uh, still not really you know, taking us out of the zombie territory, but like making you question that idea of like, oh, is this, maybe it's not, yeah. hmm. you know, maybe they're just, you know, uh, the, 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 like you said, the, the rage zombies, you know? Yeah. Maybe they've just gone nuts and they're becoming more and more savage. Exactly. Um, exhibit B, I think is the same, uh, same scene here. So again, prepare for eighties, uh, love music in the background. This girl freaked out took off running i spotted her about 20 minutes later pauses i tell you looked like one of those things had what torn her apart so again torn her apart uh one of those things like uh, again a monster a zombie yep. tore her apart what is it yeah but again, like uh, they, he doesn't go into detail. I assume he didn't stick around to figure it out and, and determine whether it was. A I know or I not. wouldn't have. No, of course. Yeah, there's a reason he survives the movie is because he's he 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 plays it safe. He's smart. So again, that doesn't solve it. Uh, you know, exhibit three. Let's see what we got here. Well, if they'll stay put, we can get them. From a psychological standpoint, the radio station represents a link to normalcy. I don't think they'll wander far as long as it's operating. Dr. Carter, I'd just like to say up front, I'm opposed to this. There's no reason for us to bring those people or any other survivors back here. Okay, so I included this clip because it felt very much like the bad guys of a zombie trope movie uh, where the bad guys are saying, well, no, we don't want to bring anyone else here. We need to survive on our own in the moment. That's what I was thinking. But obviously as you finish the film, you realize like she was the, the, the speaker at the end who was saying we, we shouldn't bring more people here. I believe she was like, she was holding on to on her mind the longest. And she was trying to protect these innocent people from the fate that the scientists wanted to put them yeah, through. Because the scientists' idea was that they were going to make a cure or vaccine, but they weren't even sure they could do it. So I think in her mind, it was like, do we really want to take these people and kill them? And they could be the last people left on Earth. That does not seem like a smart idea. Yeah. 
So again, in the moment, it worked as evidence, but I think I, I kind of the whole film kind of again contradicts that moment where yeah. they're just bad guys. I, I, again, again, that's the one thing about this movie that does kind of bother me is it contradicts itself so much that you go, uh, is it? Isn't it? Is it? Isn't it? Yeah. Um, this is the this is the scene that Lou is saying is very cl- the closest you're going to get to a zombie interaction. Uh, but again, Hector, amazing, did a great job uh, with this scene. Look, kid, just stay away. We don't want any. I I really like that scene, and again, like it, it shows the aggressive nature, uh, chasing the living. Um, he's he's able to basically escape by throwing things in in the the I'll say it zombies path. This is the strongest piece of evidence I feel like uh, outside of maybe the first two with the eating and the tearing, but like this one, this is a zombie interaction. It's just missing the uh, the the R rated you know death i suppose like he escapes you know right so i i don't know again like it doesn't i enjoyed the scene because he's he's just so funny when he's like he's talking to this like we don't want any and then at the end you're lucky i i like kids you know it's it's a great interaction it works um i have one more and again like remember when i play this clip you're gonna have to remember just picture like that classic zombies you know brains and then yeah Listen to this. We can get them. Hey, we'll be we have oh, wow. to get them. So again, like they're slowly turning. Exactly, you're seeing that uh, you know that degradation of the mind as they they do turn into this mindless monster slash zombie. So again, like that's all I got. But but you know, go back going back to our previous conversation. Like I feel like it can be. You can be right either way. If you feel it's a zombie film, there's enough in there to point in that direction as like a zombie adjacent film. If you don't think it's a zombie film and it's just like a horror action thriller, not a thriller, but a horror action sort of like comedy, it works on that angle too. But like going in, I was expecting like there to be more more to debate. But at the end of the day, I feel like it, it just kind of sits in both. It can sit in both camps. You know? It sits so much in both camps that I don't think th- I, I think this is going to be something that will always be debated. There's always going to be somebody that says it's a zombie movie, and there's always going to be somebody that goes, "Ah, is it really?" Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, we'll end it here by uh, by letting Hector take us out with uh, these fine words. The kids would like to say goodbye. It's been fun. Hope to see you around real soon. So there you go. That's Night of the Comet. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Um, yeah, everyone's right. So uh, the Discord is suddenly, you know, reunited uh, under the Zamp banner, and uh, everyone's right. So look forward, look forward to everyone reacting to that. Um, before we jet, though, I want to say coming up on Zamp, uh, we do have more Walking Dead to discuss. Um, before season 11 of The Walking Dead returns at the end of February, we do have Fear the Walking Dead, the mid-season wrap-up, so we're going to look at doing that soon. 
Um, we have more Extra Life donation movies to go over, The Dead 2, Go Home, uh, Night of the Living Dead, and Night of the Creeps, still on our list. So lots of fun zombie content coming up in the next few months, so look forward to that. Um, and we do have an email. We have an email from Gabriel. He says, uh, hey guys, I sent you a message like a year or two back telling you how much I love the show. Uh, I said, fuck it, and decided to send another. I've been listening to your podcast for too long to keep track of, and you uh, never fail to entertain. Keep up the good work. One more thing, don't even bother with the new Resident Evil movie. Uh, That shit is more dumb and weird than a pair of fire extinguisher nunchucks. Um, So Gabriel has some strong words for that new resident evil film uh that i have not watched yet i'm waiting for it to come on rental i have we almost talked about it this week yeah i i think if i would have been able to get my hands on it at not a 20 dollar purchase I, I, if i could rent it for like the standard five bucks or whatever i would have watched it um so i imagine we'll watch it eventually but it sounds like i'm right <laughs> i will say this uh-huh uh is it like my favorite zombie movie of all time no is it resident evil uh definitely more so than those mila jovovich movies um i think where the 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 new movie is weakest is there's moments where the special effects are really good and then there's moments where they're really bad (laughs) and 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 I think overall, I enjoy the movie. I would give it a solid six, maybe a seven. Um, is it great? No. Is it bad? No. Okay. I, 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 it left me wanting a sequel just to see where they would go. Yeah, like if they would pull up, right? Yeah, it like if it had made enough money that we were going to get a sequel... I would love to see where that sequel goes. I mean, if we're getting a Mortal Kombat sequel, like the they rebooted that as well. And I didn't think the Mortal Kombat movie was like terrible, but it certainly had like some bad video game movie qualities to it. Um, it has its moments. If, if, if as you look, if you're looking for video game to, to to movie adaptations, that movie is one of the better ones. Mm-hmm. It was it great no but was it fun yes and that's kind of how i felt about resident evil yeah um resident evil went in some directions i wasn't expecting it to and i was like oh that's where we're going with this thing oh okay yeah oh we're going in that direction okay that wasn't (laughs) what i was expecting but i'll take it i still think the best video game movie to come out in a long time is that sonic film and i am genuinely excited to see the sequel with my kids uh, I, we we just watched that ourselves, and my exact thought afterwards was, "Well, I kind of want a sequel to this now." Yeah, I love Jim Carrey. Like again, that should be a qualifier of like, if you don't like Jim Carrey and you you're don't gonna like hate video- the movie, yeah, he makes the movie. Um, if you like Jim Carrey, and I'm I'm sure if you don't like him, it it ruins it for you. But but my, my only problem with the Sonic movie is that the guy they have voicing Sonic. Is also if you've watched the new Ducktales, yeah. he's also the voice of Huey, and so a bunch of the jokes are the same kind of jokes Huey tells in Ducktales. So if you close your eyes, you don't hear Sonic; you just hear Huey <laughs> Duck talking to somebody. It's really weird. 
Yeah, I could see how that could be weird. Uh, Huey Duck coming out of Sonic's mouth. <laughs> That's uh, that would that would be weird. But you know what? I I have a feeling that we will uh, we will do the same thing for the Resident Evil movie once uh, both Lou and I can once I can get my hands on it at the. Yeah, I I I I I, I will tell people now. I I bought it so I can watch it whenever now. Perfect. So he's gonna watch it again. I don't know if you'll actually do that. I would never. Yes, make I will. It. Actually, will? I will watch it again because I was watching it while I was doing other things. So there was some stuff that I missed. Yeah. Well, there you go. You there was a couple of mo- there was a there was a couple of moments where I like was doing something and I looked up and I was like, oh wait, when did they get there? And I was <laughs> like, oh, I- I'll have to watch this again. Well, there you go. You bought it, so you own it. You can you can watch it again, and uh, it'll. We'll get to it. Uh, we got lots of other fun stuff to to digest uh, when it comes to zombie content, but. Um, you heard us referencing the Zamp Discord a bunch through this episode. It really was um, the uh, the backbone of of this conversation with uh, Night of the Comet. If you want to join in on that fun, you can go to bit.ly/zampdiscord. If you want to support the show directly, you can go to Patreon, Patreon.com/zombiesatemypodcast. Thank you so much to all of our patrons that help us uh, with the costs of running a podcast. Uh, also, you can go to our website, zombiesatemypodcast.com. You can email us like Gabriel did, info at zombiesatemypodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. And uh, while you're on Twitter, you can find me at R. Murphy and Lou at Busy Zombie Lord. And finally, a shout out to Joel Duggan for the artwork. You can see more of his great stuff at joelduggan.com. Lou, this has been Zombies Ate My Podcast, and as always, I'm going to throw it to you for the final word. It can be or it cannot be a zombie film. Depends on your perspective. Ooh, that's deep. That's deep. The kids would like to say goodbye. It's been fun. Hope to see you around real soon.